0: Thank you for joining us today. At Res Life, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, well, today we're going to continue to talk about growing your faith and the laws of faith. Romans 7, verse 23 says, but by the law of faith. Now, we all know there's, there's laws in the natural realm, gravity. You, Let something go, and it falls every time. If it only fell 50% of the time or 99% of the time, it would be a phenomenon. But because it falls every time, we call it the law of gravity. So we know there's laws in the natural, but there's also laws in the spiritual realm. Now, if we're ignorant of those laws and don't use those laws, then we won't benefit from them. Uh, the, the, The laws that concern electricity, they've been around since creation. If they had understood the laws of electricity, they could have had electric lights in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. But they didn't understand the laws of electricity. Uh, we've been flying now for, what, about 120 years since the Wright brothers flew down. and uh, took their little biplane and flew a couple hundred yards. But the laws that govern flight, the laws of lift and the law of thrust, they've been here since creation. But because we didn't understand them, we weren't putting them to use. Now, the same thing is true about spiritual laws. Most people, most Christians do not understand even the concept of spiritual law. But those laws determine uh, so much of the blessing that flows in our life or that does not flow in our life. So I want to begin today in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth. It's, it's, the, it's also covered in great detail in Luke chapter four, but we're going to look at Mark's gospel this morning. He's going to Nazareth. He's preaching in the synagogue. And they say, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, whose brothers James, Joes, uh Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Uh, by the way, People typically get offended by people that are more spiritual than they are. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own town. Now, Jesus is God in the flesh, but he didn't minister as God in the flesh. Philippians chapter 2 says that he emptied himself. He left all of his privileges and his innate deity, in heaven. And when he came, he ministered as a man. In fact, he said he ministered as a prophet. Jesus ministered as a prophet under the old covenant. That's why Jesus said, the works that I do, will you do also. Now, if Jesus ministered as God and did everything he did as God, how many know we couldn't do anything of it, but he didn't minister as God. He ministered as a man, literally he called himself a prophet under the old covenant. He said, but a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, his own house. Now, verse five, now he could there do no mighty work. Didn't say he wouldn't, it says he couldn't. You know, most times, if we were to say to Christians, well, what what, what could Jesus do? Well, Jesus could do anything. Well, who did Jesus, Jesus healed everybody. But it's not true. It says that he could there. Not wouldn't, he couldn't. He could do no mighty work. Then he goes on and says, except he laid his hands on a few sick people. E.W. Vines in his expository dictionary of New Testament words brings out the fact that, he, that the few people had minor ailments. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now, although Jesus is anointed because the Bible says in Acts 10.38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Well, What kind of power was it? Well, it was healing power because it went out of him and into people and healed them. Right. Nevertheless, he could not do any mighty work there because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't please God. You cannot receive from God. You cannot connect with God without faith. So these people, they had unbelief. And their unbelief, although Jesus was anointed to bring healing, their unbelief kept them from receiving the healing that God wanted them to have. So often we just have that, well, God's just going to do whatever he wants to do. It's not true. In Psalm 78, it says, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Not one time, but again and again, right? They limited God. God wanted to do more for them, but because of their unbelief, they kept God from doing what he wanted to do. We just have the idea, well, everything God wants to happen, it's going to happen, Well, then explain to me why Paul wrote that. He said to the Thessalonians, he says, I wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. But Satan hindered us. God wanted them there, but they didn't get there. Now, their unbelief shut Jesus out, even though it was God's will for healing to come. Unbelief is really one of three major enemies of faith. There's unbelief. But there's also tradition. Jesus said that by your traditions, you make the word of God of no effect. See, we can have traditions that literally go against the word of God. And Jesus said, because of that, you make the word of God of no effect. You won't receive because you've got your traditions instead of following the word of God. Um, let me just give you an example. Let's let, let just say that in the back of the church, because... I know churches that do this, right? They got a board back there, and everybody that's sick, they just put their name on the board. Now, the Bible says, is any among you sick? It says, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Now, if you just put their name on the backboard, you're keeping the word of God from working. We've got to do the word, right? So tradition and then ignorance. The Bible says my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Literally, we do not receive what we are ignorant of. That's that's a powerful, powerful concept. But what we are ignorant of, we don't receive. So spiritual law is necessary. It's, It's part of the kingdom of God. Like every kingdom, every government has laws. There's laws in the kingdom of God. And one of those laws, the law concerning faith, is that without faith, you can't please God, you can't connect with God, you can't receive from God, and unbelief can shut faith out. Now, Mark chapter 5, we find another story. And when I say story, I'm not talking about something that's invented. This actually happened. But uh, Jesus is met by a man named Jairus who is the head of a synagogue and his daughter is sick and near death. And he says, Jesus, please come lay your hands on my daughter that she may live. And Jesus is going with him. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had an issue of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus... She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch his clothes, only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fount of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? He looked around to see who had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened in her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now notice, first of all, it says that she heard about Jesus. Faith comes by hearing. So she heard and faith came. And then it says she came behind him in the crowd. She touched his garment for she said for she said the amplified says it this way for she kept saying she kept saying now we've mentioned this before but the very first thing that faith moves is your mouth Jesus said verily I say unto you that whosoever will say to the mountain the first thing about faith is faith needs to be spoken or acted on and she kept on saying if only I can touch his clothes if only I can touch his clothes Now there's a multitude that's thronging Jesus. Jesus is being touched by a lot of people, but none of those people are receiving healing or deliverance because they're not touching in faith. Jesus is anointed, but that anointing will not work without faith. At the end, what does Jesus say to her? Your faith has made you whole. Your faith, even though Jesus is anointed, it takes faith to activate the anointing, right? And she came in behind and she touched his clothes. And when she touched his clothes, she felt anointing come into her. Jesus felt anointing go out of him. Now, when she touched his clothes, she said, when I touch, when I touch. Now, this is one of the laws of faith. But there has to be a point of contact or a point where you release your faith. You can believe, you're, you, 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 literally, you can have faith for something, but if you never believe, now I receive, now I pull the trigger, so to speak. Uh, you, well, let me just read to you from Acts 14. This, I think, will explain it really well. They are in the city of Lystra, and it says, and they were preaching the gospel there. Verse 7. Verse 8 says, and in Lystra there was a man without strength in his feet sitting, who was crippled from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul preaching or speaking. Paul observing intently and seeing he had faith to be healed. Did the man have faith? Yes. Was he healed? Not yet. Because you can have faith And not be healed. Now, what this man has to do is this man has to release his faith. The woman with the issue of blood, she had faith. And she said, when I touch. So there has to be a point where it's not I'm going to. It has to be a point where you say, now, I believe I receive now. Right. Because you can have faith. But if you never believe, you receive. is I like deer hunting. So God just speaks to me about deer hunting. All right. So when you're, you're sitting in your deer blind right, and you, you're, you're in a thick woods and you've got some lanes where you can shoot. Right? When that deer walks in the lane, you've got to pull the trigger because if you don't pull the trigger, it walks out of the lane and he's gone. Right? There has to be a point when it comes to faith where you pull the trigger. It can be when the woman of the issue of blood, I touched his garment. It can be when hands are laid on you. It can be when you're anointed with oil. It can be when you say amen. It can be at some point, but at some point, you have to release your faith. You have to say, now, now I believe I receive. So Paul, he sees he had faith to be healed and said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. He took that word, but Paul literally, he knew I had to shake this guy up and get him to do something right now because he's got the faith, but he's got to do something, right? There has to be a point where it's not someday, not I'm going to get healed, but right now I believe I receive. In Mark 11, verse 24, Jesus said, believe you receive them when you pray and you will have them. At some point you believe you receive. I don't know that this is the best example, but it's the only one I came up with thinking about it this week, all right? Now, if somebody gives you a check for a thousand, they owe you a thousand dollars, they give you a check for a thousand dollars, right? You believe you receive. You've got the promise, but you don't have it till you get to the bank, right? You get to the bank, you get the thousand dollars, right? But you believe you receive when you get the check. It's done. It's done. That's what it's like with faith. Right? There is a time between when you believe you receive and you physically see the answer. Once you physically see it, you don't need to believe you receive. you got it. But you've got to believe God has heard. So Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Her faith, although a lot of people touched, her faith caused that anointing, that blessing to flow into her life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, one of the things that's an obstacle to faith, and I want, to, want you to see this in 1 John chapter 3 in verse 9, right? and, and it's our hearts. It says this in verse 19. It says, And by this we know that we're of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. You have to assure your heart before him. In, in Psalms 119, verse 25, it says it this way. It says, my soul clings to the dirt. Right? In other words, you, you, you believe all the wrong stuff. You, you believe that condemnation. You know, the Bible tells us the devil comes to condemn. Condemn. He's a condemner. He tells you, you're not good enough. You're not holy enough. You've had the wrong thoughts. You've had the wrong actions. Your past was this. You did that. And what happens, your heart is listening to all that and condemns you. Although the Bible tells us that we need to assure our hearts. In other words, we need to talk to our heart. And we need to assure our heart. Our heart's telling us one thing. But what we need to do, because it's clinging to the dirt, it's listening to all the wrong stuff. It's looking at all the wrong stuff. So the Bible says to acknowledge Philemon, chapter one, verse six, acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ. There's many Christians that never assure their hearts. They never confess who they are in Christ and what belongs to them in Christ see, you need to assure your heart. You need to tell your heart. Heart, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Because he that knew no sin became sin for you, that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. In heart, you need to realize that you are justified. You've been made just as if you'd never, ever sinned. Because the Bible says that Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses, and He was raised for or when we were justified. The fact that Jesus was raised from the dead means that in God's eyes, I'm just as if I have never sinned. The God said, "If I confess my sins, He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness." You know, there are some. How can i say this? Like spiritual disciplines. There's some things that as Christians, uh, we should be doing on a daily basis. And one of those things is assuring our hearts. Now, I've got here, uh, Jeannie and I, uh, this is really, we, we go through this like it has become an every morning habit for us. In fact, I, I would just say that it's like a highlight, right? Now, I've got a whole bunch of what we, we do here, but I'm just going to read to you a couple of the things that we confess We assure our hearts every day. Father, because of your word, we are overcomers and we overcome the world, the flesh and the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. Therefore, we give no place to sickness or pain. Psalms 115. The Lord will bless those who fear him, both small and great. May the Lord give us increase more and more, we and our children, and may we be blessed by the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. So we do not allow sin and death and sickness or disease to dominate our bodies. Lord, we thank you. You forgive all our iniquities, you heal all our diseases, you redeem our life from destruction, you satisfy our mouth with good things, so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Sickness is a power of the devil. Jesus gave us authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. We trample on sickness, we trample on disease, we tread every evil under foot. Jesus Christ gave us authority over sickness and we trample on you, we tread on you, we stomp on you. Get out, get out, get out. You have no right to dominate us. Get out of our bodies in Jesus' name. Sickness and disease are under our feet and we are seated with Christ above all the power of the enemy. Do you know what? I'm assuring my heart. I'm assuring my heart. And the Bible says we need to do that. He says, even if your heart condemns you, It says God's greater than your heart. You see, all those negative things about the past and a wrong thought and a wrong action and and how you don't qualify and you're not good enough and you're not holy enough. All of that junk is is talking about when your soul clings to the dust. But you need to assure your heart, right? And when we assure our hearts, we get in that place of faith where we can receive from God. Right, Faith is an act, right? It is an act. And it's accomplished either through speaking or doing. The Bible says that by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. It says by faith, Enoch walked with God. By faith, Noah prepared an ark for the salvation of his family. By faith, Abraham obeyed, leaving his home, not knowing where he was going. By faith, the Bible says that the sons of Joseph were blessed by their grandfather. By faith, Moses, the Bible said, forsook Egypt. By faith, Moses uh, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, Moses kept the Passover. By faith, Israel passed through the Red Sea. Now, you may look foolish to some people when you live by faith. In fact, you know, I mentioned some of our confessions and you think, I think you're weird. Well, I think you're weird. I'm, I'm going I'm to stick with God. I'm going to stick in with God. And faith may make you look foolish. I think Noah looked foolish building an ark in the middle of a desert. Sarah looked foolish when she was 90 years old buying maternity clothes. Moses looked foolish all right, when he was telling Pharaoh to let God's people go. The Israelite army, they looked foolish, marching around the walls of Jericho, blowing trumpets. And David looked foolish, attacking a giant with a slingshot. That wasn't, didn't look like a smart thing to do to anybody. The wise men looked foolish, following a star to find the Messiah. Peter looked foolish, stepping out of a boat in the middle of a lake in the midst of a storm. And Jesus looked foolish, hanging half naked on a cross but the results speak for themselves. Noah stayed afloat during the flood. Isaac was born to Sarah. Moses was del- delivered Israel out of Egypt. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. David defeated Goliath. The wise men found the Messiah. Peter walked on water. Jesus rose from the dead. And if you aren't willing to look foolish, you may be a fool. You may be a fool. That's why some people have never built an ark, killed a giant, or walked on water. God often uses the least qualified because of faith. David wanted to fight Goliath, and Saul said, here's my armor. Well, David said it didn't fit, but God used him to kill Goliath anyway. John Mark abandoned the apostle Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey, but God used him anyway. Moses stuttered but God used him anyway. (laughs) Lazarus was dead, but God used him anyway. (laughs) Hosea's wife was a prostitute, but God used her anyway. Martha was a worrywart, but God used her anyway. Jacob was a liar, but God used him anyway. Uh, Elijah was burned out and suicidal, but God used him anyway. Jeremiah was depressed, and God used him anyway. Paul was a murderer, and God used him anyway. Peter was an impetuous loudmouth. God used him anyway. Jonah ran from God. Thomas doubted. Samson fought a battle with lust. But how many of you know God used him anyway? Abraham was old and God used him anyway. Solomon was rich and God used him anyway. Sometimes we think that certain things are going to disqualify us. But listen, faith will qualify you. Faith will qualify you. Psalms 78. Yes, again and again, they tempted God. And they limited the holy one of Israel. I believe that it's not only true concerning Israel, but I believe it's true about every single one of us that we limit God. We limit him by our small thinking. So often Christians think, well, whatever God wants to happen, it's going to happen. Well, right here, it says again and again. God wanted to do more, but he couldn't do more Because of their unbelief, it shut him out. They limited God. Again, in 1 Thessalonians 2, Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. Sometimes the enemy tries to hinder. Jesus said to pray, and to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If all the things that were happening on earth were God's will, we wouldn't need to pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you wonder what is God's will for earth, it's heaven. It's what's happening in heaven. That's what God's will is for here in first Timothy two verse four, it says who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants everybody saved, but this is what I know. People slip into eternity every day without God, but it's never God's will never So again and again, they tempted the Holy One of Israel. They limited him. They didn't remember his power. The day when he redeemed them from the enemy, when he worked his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zohan, turning their rivers into blood and their streams so that they couldn't drink. He sent swarms of flies among them, which devoured them, and frogs, which destroyed them. He also gave their crops to caterpillars and their labor to the locusts. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamore trees with frost. God did miracle after miracle, signs and wonders, and delivered them. But the Bible says they didn't remember. They didn't remember what God had done. And because they didn't remember, they limited him again and again and again. You see, we need to look at what he's done. Right? In Revelation 19 and verse 10, it says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What that means is this, that what Jesus did is to be a prophecy of what he's going to do. Right? They limited God because they didn't remember the things that he had done. They forgot his testimonies. In the Hebrew, the Greek, excuse me, the, the, in the Hebrew, the root word for testimony means to do again do again. What a testimony is supposed to do is it's supposed to create expectation on the inside of us. Because literally our level of expectation determines the level that we receive from God. Psalms 119, 24, your testimonies are also my delight and my counselors. He says, I delight in what you've done and they're my counselors. When I look at what you've done, that shows me, that counsels me on what you are going to do in the future. Your testimonies, verse 111, have I taken as a heritage or inheritance forever. So all the testimonies, all of the things that we find that God has done, they are an inheritance for us. They're to show us what God wants to do again. They show us God's will. They show us his character. All of the stories in the Bible, all the testimonies that you hear that God has done for people, they are to be our counselors. All right. I'm sure you've heard of stories of people that God has done great things for. What he's done, he will do again. Again, those testimonies are to create faith. The testimonies literally, I believe that they release an anointing. God instructed Israel to rehearse those testimonies. Moses said, you need to teach them to your children. Joshua put up memorial stones where they crossed the uh, Jordan River. And he says, you need to tell your children about this. And again and again, they're told to mention what God has done to their children. In Psalm 78, 5, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. You see, when we meditate on those testimonies and remember those testimonies, the Bible says it creates a hope, a hope in God. Right? That, that uh, we don't forget his works and that God is going to do what he has already done. Right? When we back off those testimonies, that's when we begin to limit God. In Psalm 78 again, because this whole psalm uh, is talking about the power of testimonies. In verse 9, it says, The children of Israel, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders, which he had shown them. Now, Israel is in, a, in literally a, this huge, huge battle. And the Ephraimites, it says they're, they're armed and they've got bows, but they refuse to go to the battle. And the Bible says the reason that they forgot his works and his wonders. They forgot his testimonies. And because they forgot the things that God had done in the past, they had no expectation for what God would do today. But the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't let anybody quote that verse to you and say, Jesus is the same yesterday and forever and leave out today. Because it's today, right? Uh, we don't resist. We don't believe. We don't stand. We don't confess. We don't stir up the gift. We, do, we don't do things when we don't remember his testimonies. 1 Kings 11 and 9. And I'm, gonna, I'm closing. Just take a minute. It says, so the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, who had appeared to him twice. So so Solomon has two incredible supernatural encounters with God. God appears with him twice, but he did not steward those encounters with God he didn't keep them alive. They became stale and they became sour. And he turned away from God because he didn't steward properly the things that God had done in his life. Right? Uh, with Paul, on the other hand, uh, you find his testimony. He gives it three times in the book of Acts and then three more times in the epistles. He's talking about what God had done for him. He gives his Testimony, part of his testimony. It's six times in the new Testament. But what he did was he stewarded the encounters that he had with God. He stewarded the things that God had done in his life. And God became angry with Solomon because look, I appeared to you. I did supernatural things for you two times and yet you forget it and you turn away. But when we keep the testimonies and we steward those things that God has done in our life, And we steward what we see in the word of God and what other people talk to us about that God has done in their life. It creates an expectation and a hope and God meets you at the level of your expectation. We're like the lepers. Jesus heals 10 of them and nine of them don't even come back and say thank you. They don't steward what God has done in their life and we need to steward what God has done in our life And we need to remember the testimonies that God has done because, again, what he did is what he's going to do again. Testimony literally means do again. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? There's such a, I consider a tragedy in our culture. I, I often mention that culture believes that good people go to heaven Well, the Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that forgiven people go to heaven. Culture tells us there's a hundred ways to God, but the Bible tells us there's just one way to God. You see, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. This means two things. Number one, every way does not lead you to God. There's just one way, it's Jesus. And it also means that all of your efforts and all of my efforts could never make me right with god all the good things i could do all the things i can sacrifice they'll never make me right with god there's just one way jesus is the only way no one he said can come to the father except through me it's just god's way and god's way is jesus so jesus said you must be born again you say, what does that mean? It means to give Jesus all of your heart and all of your life. You're in God's house today. Or you're sitting there and you're, you're with your device. And I believe the reason that many of us are here, we're watching, is because today is your day to get right with God. Now, we all know about God. We celebrated Christmas and Easter, and we know things, but... Salvation has never been and never will be about your head, about what you know. Salvation is about your heart. And have you given your heart to Jesus? Have you given him all of your heart and all of your life? He's not a thief to steal your heart and life or a manipulator to deceive you. It's your choice. He will not force you. But the Bible says this, today is the day of salvation. And Jesus said, you must be born again. Well, we've just worshiped, we sang, we clapped, we heard God's word, but you can leave exactly the same way as you came, or you can leave totally, totally different with a new heart and you can leave right with God. The Bible says in John 1, 12, to as many as received him, to them, he gave the right to become the children of God, to as many as received him. Well, today I want to pray with you. If you're not right with God, you're away from God, you need to get right. We're going to pray a prayer. So here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do. If you can, and you're seated near somebody, would you join hands? Join hands up. If you came with somebody, join hands with them. And we're going to pray this prayer out loud. I want you to make these words your own. So would you just close your eyes and pray this prayer from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe Jesus rose again. Victorious over death, sin, and the devil. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my king. He is my Lord. And I will live for him. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That my past is gone. That I'm a part of your kingdom. Today and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly. So join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.